0: Welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about Season 6, Episode 18, Courting Disaster.
1: I like this episode a lot.
0: Yes, it's a very fun episode. I like the punny title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of fun. And uh, we also finally get introduced to Vince. Uh, yes. Who is Will's long-term partner on the show. So that's exciting for us.
1: So, uh, I guess we'll jump right into it.
0: Yeah, let's do the episode description. So, Jack and Grace stumble upon Stuart watching a movie matinee in the company of another man. Will teaches Karen how to drive.
1: So, as the non-viewing half of this podcast, there was sort of a nice little puzzle piece click of this episode, which is that I feel like Vince showing up is kind of like the last end-of-show Thing that we hadn't gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Connick Jr. has been a part of the show for a while, as viewers of Will and Grace know. Uh, he's an essential part of the original end of the show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Vince is kind of the other half. Will's the other half. Yes. Um, but I know nothing about him, of course, because I'm brand new. Yeah. Um, we've had the alternating pleasure of Harry Connick Jr. for what, two seasons now? One season? About,
0: yeah. Like, uh, like season and a, a half, a I guess. A full season... And change.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the revival, he's only on for a single episode. So, again, you don't really get to know that character very well other than broad strokes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Vince has kind of the same treatment on the revival. He's in maybe one or two episodes, similarly brushed aside.
0: Yeah. Um, but he seems to be a bit of a bigger part of Will's life once we get to revival era. Whereas Grace is pretty much moved on from her thats very relationship true. with Leo. Because
1: Vince kind of comes up in passing in that one episode where Will's learning how to use Instagram. Mm-hmm. Although then Michael comes up too. Yeah. It's kind of like Vince and Michael are kind of like the two touchstones alternately for the revival when they're thinking about Will's long-term relationships.
0: Right. And then in another revival episode, we watch Vince marry someone else and Will have some feelings about that. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole thing. But it's nice to see him introduced and see his... Well, it's not. I would, I don't know if I'd call it a meat cute. It's more like a meat brute. Yeah, like they're <laughs> they're very kind of aggressive and macho towards each other. But and not like in an a... actual
1: like gay way.
0: Yeah, no, like in like a genuine like dislike sort of way until. And we'll get into it. Here's what
1: I, I think is happening, is that they both think the other person is straight right away.
0: Yes, they they definitely clock each other not as gay. And yeah, so they they're don't, bad gays. They don't foster the sort of like <laughs> gay camaraderie that usually comes along with that.
1: I hadn't like fully processed this yet until watching this episode where we see Bobby Cannavale at a time that is earlier than any other time I've seen him on film. Hmm. But I've always kind of been like, do I think you're attractive? And watching him at this time in his life, I'm like... Oh, I see what it is. Like, you used to be, like, very, very good-looking, and now you're, like, ruggedly good-looking. Like, you know how, like, some people when they get older still are good-looking, but they're good-looking in such a different way than when they were young? He's
0: definitely the sort of person who went from pretty to ruggedly handsome.
1: Like, he kind of looks like Ben Platt trying to look butch right now. Oh,
0: that's an interest yeah. Like but like an Italian Ben
1: Platt. Yeah, like an Italian Ben Platt deliberately butching himself up. Which is basically the character we're presented with in this episode.
0: Yeah, basically. I mean
1: he talks about poetry, he uh, loses his gun um, he
0: forgets to sign a ticket
1: he forgets to sign a ticket he's, kind he's of bad is, at charades these are all very Ben Platt things he's a
0: kind of a disaster it's, a, it's like sort of like if Evan Hansen had grown up to be a bad cop right like, or like, like a bad cop not in the sense that he, he's a bad person and he's right. a cop he's just like he's bad at copping he
1: actually seems like a very good cop in a moral sense yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of get the sense that this character is sort of like, imagine a comedy of errors where two twins are separated at birth and one grows up to be Jack McFarland and one grows up to be Vince.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to kind of get back to the context of where this uh, um, introduction comes from, Karen, it is revealed, does not know how to drive. Which and makes so sense. for whatever reason, Will is now tasked with teaching her to drive. And so there they are teaching Karen how to drive in New York, which seems scary yeah
1: you definitely gotta drive out to the suburbs or at least jersey
0: yeah like find a parking lot like did no one else learn how to drive in a parking lot is that like a very midwestern thing
1: i mean if nothing else you think they get a joke out of running over someone in jersey and karen being like well no one cares
0: everything is legal in new jersey <laughs> um yeah so they're driving and and uh will's kind of giving her some pointers and he's like oh you probably afford to speed up a little bit and Mm -hmm. he's like oh just watch out there's a woman with a stroller up ahead (laughs) and karen's like i got it and then guns it like she's gonna run them over and so naturally she gets pulled over Mm -hmm. and vince is the cop who pulls her over yes and then rather than this being like a one-off moment will realizes that the ticket isn't signed Mm -hmm. and i don't know if this is still true and i'm also not a lawyer but at the time, apparently, if your ticket wasn't signed, it was considered invalid. Mm-hmm. So, Will decides to get his rocks off by going to traffic court to fight this ticket for Karen. Mm-hmm. And so then he is confronting Vince.
1: Yes. And then. We get to see them come into conflict again.
0: Yeah. And so they have this entire exchange where Will is like trying to smirk at him, but is mostly just kind of smiling. And so then Vince is like, Are you smiling at me? <laughs>
1: I think the interesting thing about this plot line is that I just assumed from the premise and setup that we were going to get a cop pulls Will over, Will thinks cop is cute, gets cop's number, cop gives him their number. You know what I mean? Like, that was what I thought Will was looking at on that traffic ticket. Instead, you get this much longer, more drawn out plot line where Mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Their adversary is almost the whole way through and then it flips on a dime for like a weird but believable reason. Like, it's revealed as soon as Will's name is read in court that the cop is friends with Joe and Larry, Mm -hmm. who, as listeners know, are Will's only other gay friends. Who aren't Jack. Well, other than Jack. Um, And it turns out that they've, like, known of each other for years.
0: Yeah, and the implication is that Joe and Larry have been four years now trying to set them up because they think they'd be good together. Uh-huh. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. So we kind of have this aha moment when all of a sudden he's like, wait, you're Will Truman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh my God, wait, you're Vince. And like, right. clearly like they have been aware of each other without having, having ever met for a long time. Well,
1: it's such a believable. They, like They both have jobs that are believable that they wouldn't think you know, oh, I met a cop named Vince. It must obviously be this gay man that I sort of know of.
0: Right, and it's like, they are a lawyer and a cop, but, like, Will isn't a criminal attorney, so Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't actually interact with law enforcement all that often. And like you know as a street cop like he's not a he's clearly like someone who's like pulling people over for traffic violations he's yeah. not like a detective or anything right.
1: he's so he's new <laughs> he's
0: he's a newbie or at the very least a low ranking like uniformed officer
1: yeah so he's not he actually kind of reminds me a little bit now that I'm thinking of it of Officer Drew
0: yeah there is a little bit of the sort of haplessness of mm-hmm. Officer Drew to Vince and also Vince like you, you kind of get a taste of this this episode but he, he grows to be such a sweetheart like he's a very mm-hmm. genuine person but he's also so Adorkable, like he's very Mm. lovably goofy.
1: I feel like that's kind of Bobby Cannavale's whole thing: is that like you either get like gruff, scary Bobby Cannavale, or you get like the chewy center.
0: Yes, like in
1: Ant Man, where he's like adorable, yeah, but like kind of mean,
0: (laughs) right? Like you don't really get like the the in between, really. Mm Um, but yeah, it's, it's really adorable to see, um, to see him and Will interact, especially at first when they're kind of sniping at each other, because you just sort of realize that Vince is not a very good cop yet. Like Mm -hmm. he, when Will kind of gloats about the ticket not being signed, he's like, damn it. Like, I keep doing that. (laughs) And I keep forgetting to sign my checks. My therapist says it's because I'm not showing up for myself. And you're just like, it's like
1: funny, like cute little things like that. Like the show, because we don't know that. Vince is gay, but, like, we kind of know. Mm -hmm. Like, it is able to build up his character and make him a believable partner for Will. Right. Before it's even on the table as a possibility.
0: Right, and so, like, it's also really interesting because he doesn't... To me, at least, and I mean, I know who Vince is. I've seen the mm-hmm. entire show. But even his initial, like, introduction, Will takes him as being a jerk. But I don't really read him as a jerk. Like, he's just doing his job. Yeah. Like, um, there's the bit where he's writing up the ticket, and he's like, Oh, you're writing me a ticket? And he's like, No, I'm writing you a love poem about right. Cincinnati or whatever. Yeah. And then there's, like, this whole joke where he's just like, Well, he's like, Cincinnati? He's like, Oh, it was the first city I thought of. Well, actually, it was the second nothing really rhymes with Newark. And he's like, what rhymes with Cincinnati? And he's just like, here's your ticket. Like, <laughs> it's just like, he's just, he's very sweet and he's very adorable. And like, I i feel instantly as if Will has misread him and that yes. he's, um, he's like a good person. And, and yeah. then Will seems to immediately backtrack his initial read once he knows that this is someone who has been considered as a potential partner mm-hmm. for him. Yeah,
1: the show does a really good job of fleshing out a character in only a few strokes. In a way that is making it clear that Vince is a more-than-one-episode arc. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually would have a hard time thinking of a character that's been so well-sketched. Right. So quickly. I mean, just the little details like the poem and, you know, him talking about his therapist. Right.
0: And his fear of getting a desk job. Yes. Like,
1: Like, the show has built him this inner life that is really interesting. I mean, I don't think there's really any other character that has that.
0: Right. I mean, it's especially... Kind of gratifying to see that they're building him up first, and then he's the potential partner Mm -hmm. for Will. Like we get enough details that he's not just like, and here's a random guy because people are complaining that we haven't shown Will with a guy in a while. Like Mm -hmm. it's very much so like this was a planned narrative. They they designed this character. They cast Bobby Cannavale to play him, and so he's not just like a one off. He's like supposed to be a character.
1: Well, the other thing I really enjoyed is how. I don't know if publicly is the right word, but this, this plot line plays out very uncloseted. Like, there's no moment where the cop is like, oh no, you got me. I'm a secret gay cop. I must, you know, like, Will is actively like trying to matchmake in front of this judge who keeps eating sandwiches and Carrot is getting involved. And at no point is Vince like, oh, like, we have to stop talking about this because I'm a cop. Like, it's, it's a very... I don't want to say it's it's sort of like the idea of like color blindness in like I don't see color, color unquote, mm-hmm. but in a not so willfully negative way. Um.
0: Right, it, like I
1: like that it is like that.
0: Right, and I mean, like even the the one off jokes about them flirting in the courtroom, where the where the uh, cop is like, "This isn't happy hour at the manhole," mm-hmm. and then Karen kind of echoes it by being like, "This isn't happy hour at the cockpit." Like, it's right. it's not really shaming them for being gay; it's shaming them for flirting when they're supposed to be working. Yes, and so like that that's it's it's kind of nice and almost wholesome to see gay people on television be joked about and teased for doing stuff that mm-hmm. straight people do all the fucking time. Yeah.
1: Well, and partly because Will has had so few romantic interactions, mm-hmm. I feel like the show kind of slipped out of the time period when that wouldn't have been possible without us noticing. Yeah. Like this is the biggest romantic plotline he's had in a while, I think.
0: And it's also wildly public, like mm-hmm. not none of it is happening under the cover of darkness or yep. online or mm-hmm. whatever. Um And it also just kind of reiterates, which is the thing that I find very funny, which is, you know, the whole idea about dating with your queer is that you either, it's kind of like a job interview. You either have to go online or you have to be referred. Mm -hmm. And so it's very funny that they encounter each other sort of in the wild because they immediately realize that they've already been referred by a friend. Right. um, But yeah, so uh, all is well. So we'll kind of stops his crusade to get the ticket thrown out and Karen is like I'm not gonna pay this ticket if it's not a sure thing and so then goes and asks Vince out on Will's behalf. Which is cute. Which is cute. I mean illegal
1: but cute. Oh yeah
0: it's also hilariously bold that they're just doing this in front of a judge they're just like hi will you go out with my friend and then I'll pay this ticket instead of trying to get you in trouble.
1: The judge said he had pudding so he was clearly not paying attention.
0: He's just eating his pudding like (laughs) doing, doing his life um but yeah so it's just it's it's very sweet and it's very nice and so then will has a date on friday and that's, mm-hmm. that's exciting for that's very
1: cute yeah. all right let's talk about the other plot line this episode
0: this is a very gay episode it is. it's all about gay stuff
1: so in the other plot line this week uh we have jack and grace get paired up uh-huh um and what the long and short of it is that they go to the movies because they think Stewart is busy Mm -hmm. And that's why Jack is going to the movies with someone who isn't Stuart. Yeah. And it turns out Stuart is there and he's been lying to Jack and he's there with a strapping young man. (gasps) Gasp. It's a whole thing. Jack literally causes a scene in the movie theater, which Mm -hmm. is just so Jack.
0: Oh, it's just a delicious moment when he's like, you paid for a ticket to see a movie, but you're going to get a scene. Yes. And then like, has this entire like ending bit about thank you for coming to Lowe's and enjoyed the show. Like, it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's very funny. Um... But like before we dive into that, I want to just take a brief moment to acknowledge this strange thing that we've now caught on that the show does this. It's that they occasionally remember that they want to just pair up Jack and Grace Mm -hmm. versus, uh, you know, Jack and Karen and Will and Grace. And every time they do that, it's like they forget Jack and Grace have known each other since college.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. It's really
0: weird, because every time Jack or Grace is like, I don't really know them that well. And it's like, you've literally been friends for, like, 20 years. Yeah. Yes, you do. Well, and I think part of it is that,
1: like, I see where the show is coming from, sort of, because out of the four friends... Jack and Grace are the ones who are the furthest apart on the friendship cycle.
0: Right. And they probably hang out one on one the least of Mm -hmm. the others, of the other possible pairings on the show.
1: Just like how Will and Karen are kind of the same way. Like, they're the ones that are the furthest away from each other, friendship wise. Mm -hmm. But, like,. The show never makes the same justifications for why Will and Karen are hanging out. Right. They just make it sort of transactional and then we just move on with our lives. Right.
0: And it's just, it just feels very weird because we've had this character beat a number of times, including several times where the character beat is, oh no, we don't know each other that well. And then Jack and Grace bonding over something Mm -hmm. and clearly knowing each other extremely well and being very close friends. Yeah. And also in situations in which Will isn't available, Jack and Grace kind of default towards each other. Mm -hmm. So again, it doesn't make sense that they keep hitting this beat and I kind of wish that well, stop. Well, and it
1: would be better if they at least hit the beat more consistently because then it could be like, Grace and I don't get along and we never have. Like, that's right. not the beat they're hitting. Like, there are definitely episodes where it's a Jack and Grace plotline where they don't do the song and dance about how we don't know each other.
0: Right. And so it's, it's inconsistent on mm-hmm. top of that. But every once in a while, they're like, "Oh, wait, we need to explain this to people because they're not gonna get it." And it's, and it's like just
1: unnecessary. Like,
0: okay, but we we
1: got it though. Yeah. It's,
0: it's not that hard. Sometimes in your group of friends, two people who don't normally hang out hang out. The, right. The end.
1: Like it makes sense that Grace would go to the movies with Jack. I mean, they
0: both have nothing to they do. They both have nothing to do all day. Yeah. Yeah. Why Grace has nothing to do all day? I don't know. Probably because Deborah Messing's pregnant.
1: She's on. Maternity leave or something. I
0: don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just think that
1: they did a better job of hiding the fact that she was pregnant this At time. At least
0: this week she was mostly sitting down. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, we also get some really nice moments where they're in the movie theater and Grace is snuck in and like an entire meal. Oh, yeah. Of like, Chinese food. And like someone is complaining about it behind her and she's like, put an egg roll, shut you up. Which is just like <laughs> a very smart move, mm-hmm. really.
1: You always buy extra egg rolls. Yeah. I remember that now.
0: So back to Jack causing a scene.
1: Yeah, I... I will say I enjoyed this plotline, but it's definitely a lot thinner than the Will and Karen plot.
0: It is. Because,
1: I mean, Stewart literally doesn't get a chance to speak for himself until, like, the last five minutes of the episode.
0: Right. Because Jack storms off after causing his scene. And then the next time we see Jack, he's bitching to Grace about how he's so fed up with men that he's off men and he's straight now. (laughs) And then he tells her to take off her boobs and turn around so they Uh can get it on freaky heterosexual style. And interestingly, Grace does not say... I am married. Right. She says, I wish that was the first time I'd heard that, which mm-hmm. is, says a lot about it's Grace. Traumatizing,
1: traumatizing. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's a whole thing. But yeah, so then Stuart does show up and all is revealed as to why he had kind of lied and why he was with this dude. Mm-hmm. He has a son.
1: Which is kind of a twist, actually. Yeah. I I thought of that, based on the setup of this episode, I kind of assumed that this was the end for poor Stuart. Mm-hmm. That it was just going to be a, well, Jack, you know, I've really thought about it and I've decided we're not such a good fit, you know, or something like that. Right. Um. But we don't get that. Yeah. Stuart is sticking around, at least for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of parallelism here that's kind of funny because I had forgotten that until Grace said something to him, that Jack also has a son.
0: Yeah. And so we get this sort of hilarious moment where Jack's like, oh my God, you didn't tell me about your son. I don't know if that's going to work out between us. And then Grace is like, Jack of you told him about your son. And he's like, oh, shit, I forgot I had a son. Like,
1: <laughs> like it's 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 genuinely metatextually funny because the show has clearly also forgotten about Elliot. Right, who Elliot. Who was in an episode this season, I think.
0: Yeah, he, or at the very least, the end of last season. He's been in an episode mm-hmm. recently enough that that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. And, like, rather than try and couch the fact that he hasn't been around in, like, Jack's busy schedule Mm -hmm. or anything like that, they're just like, oh, shit, I forgot. Yeah. And that's hilariously in character for Jack. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, he says to Stuart, oh, I'd love to meet your son. And then Stuart's like, I'd love to meet your son. And Jack's like, who? (laughs) Like,
1: it's just, it is so Jack to be simultaneously upset and forgetting that he himself is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it... It's an interesting move for the show because it shows these characters opening up to each other. I do, however, suspect that this may be the beginning of the end for them because it's something about it feels still very like we're coming to the end of this relationship because you haven't revealed these things to each other and you're kind of like forced to discover it.
0: I tell people I like pistachios. I don't really like pistachios. Like, I think Stuart and Jack are
1: somewhat of a good fit. However, I feel like every episode, they fit together a little bit less.
0: Yeah, it's like they're slowly becoming less and less snug puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that tension is definitely there this episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. there's no point in which Jack goes to Stuart and says, Hey, explain the situation to me.
0: Right. And I think that that is kind of a hallmark of the fact that the relationship isn't going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. if you were... Newly dating someone, but someone you were serious about and you saw them out with another person on what appeared to be a date, mm-hmm. if you rationally cared about them, you might want to, at the very least, hear them out rather yeah. than have a scene and decide you're done with men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like, the fact that Jack doesn't really give him that opportunity until much later mm-hmm. is, is, I think, a little prophetic of how we yeah. will see this.
1: So, I mean, we'll see how it develops, but I... I think we can safely say that, Stuart, your days are numbered.
0: Okay. Can I just say that I am so happy to finally have a not real estate related episode?
1: Me too. I mean, the
0: flipping episodes have been very funny, but there were three of them in a row and Uh it was kind of like a little too much. It was like they, it was sort of like, you ever get like slightly obsessed with something? Like you're just like, oh my God, this is my favorite thing. And so you want to talk to everybody about it Uh and everyone's like, okay, we get it, whatever. And it a little bit felt like the writer's just like, I don't know. Like, did a bunch of drugs and watched a fuck ton of HGTV one weekend or something. Well, and it was
1: just kind of that like, and today we flipped. And today we flopped. And today we flipped. And today we flip-flopped. Like... And this time we flip-flopped both lesbians,
0: like... Yeah, like,
1: I, it's not a bad plot line. And I understand the impulse of the show to get Will and Grace to have plot lines together. Mm-hmm. Since their lives don't intersect outside of the home very often. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that's something that we've seen the show doing, both in the current moment and in the revival Uh where it needs to put Will and Grace together more frequently so it has to invent ways to get them together.
0: Yeah, I just think that it maybe would have worked better if they had had like flip-flop one and two a couple of episodes and then come back for East Side Story. Well, or
1: the introduction of the plot line is so strange. It would have made more sense if they were trying to flip grace's apartment in brooklyn
0: oh my god which
1: apparently still exists
0: but that would mean acknowledging that her marriage is over and we aren't at sweeps yet
1: also admittedly it would be kind of a dick move to flip your house while your husband who you're estranged with is in cambodia
0: because it's it's probably his house
1: yeah like it's probably not technically grace's house although i think new york is a marital property state so she has the right to flip it
0: that she does
1: whatever however she wants
0: Indeed, indeed. But the thing is, now that they've kind of moved away from the flipping plot, they kind of have, like, not been able to figure out what to do with Grace, I think. Mm-hmm. But it does lead to one of my favorite moments in the episode. Yes.
1: It's, we'll call it a, a C plot. A high C. And
0: it's very high. So it's it's like a three-second long scene. It's very short. But it's just Grace, like, sitting in her apartment, and she's, like, I don't know what she's even doing, flipping through magazines or, or something. I don't even and know. And she's just singing "Hey Ya" by Outkast in this horrible high-pitched voice, which is not
1: a recent song at the time this episode's airing. It
0: might have been a recent-ish song at the time they filmed it. I could see that, maybe. But I don't. But think so. But it's like, like it's not. It doesn't sound anything like it. It's just like she's just like, hey, hey ya! and like that's probably better.
1: It is objectively you than what Grace was it.
0: doing, but. Um, so, like, she's, like, in this, like, horrifying falsetto. And then her phone rings. And she answers it. She's like, hello? Yes, I'll stop. And then it gets worse because then she clicks over to the other line. And she's like, oh, hello? Yeah, I'll stop. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's this very short scene. But it is my favorite part of the episode, I think. I
1: think so, too. I think this episode was already in, like, a top-level Will and Grace episode. But that weird off-key cover of Hey Ya! Push it over the top.
0: Especially when it gets called back to in the tag. So now we've got Karen driving around by herself, being like, huh, Will didn't teach me how to brake. Oh, well, I'll stop eventually. But at the start of the scene, she's just like, hey (laughs) And I just like, (laughs) I just love it. It's so weird because the show, I think, typically does try very hard to make itself as timeless as Mm -hmm. possible. So it doesn't normally, like... Pull in specific cultural moments, but there's
1: nothing about "Hey Ya" yeah, that is timeless. No, like, it's
0: it's very 2003. Like as
1: soon as that song came out, it's like, okay, this is the time of "Hey Ya." Yeah.
0: Time. What? I don't know. You just said time very weird. <laughs> You're just like, this is the time of "Hey Ya." Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I don't know what to do with that.
0: Shake it, ah, uh, shake it, shake, shake it, it, it like a Polaroid, Polaroid picture. <laughs> <laughs> I just really have very vivid memories of dancing to that song in middle school mm-hmm. at dances. And I also really recall the music video because there were a lot of fun outfits.
1: I do love outfits,
0: they were like lime green. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's it for the week.
1: Yeah, thanks Uh, so much for listening to us, everybody.
0: Yeah. Matthew, do you want to take a few seconds to tell people where they can find us on the internet?
1: Sure. As you know from listening to this right now, live, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, I guess we're calling it now, Apple Podcasts, uh, or Podbean. You can also communicate with us on our Twitter page at NotACoupleShow. Send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Or communicate with us via Facebook or Tumblr or by tracking us down on the internet, which we really encourage you not to do.
0: Please don't do that.
1: That'd be really creepy.
0: Also, no passenger pigeons. Yeah, your passenger
1: pigeons? pigeons would be bad.
0: Just no pigeons. Yeah. In general, no, not into the pigeons.
1: Patronuses are fine.
0: Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week with more Will & Grace. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Liza, you have brand new catnip, and you are so high. Meow. This week's episode was sponsored by Heya by Outcast. Heya,
1: Heya. We're very white. Extremely.